Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to answer some questions. This is a mailbag, and I feel like I haven't done one in a while, and I kind of want to do one of these each month or so, at least. So if you do have questions, feedback at Doug.show is how you can be featured. I usually anonymize the questions, so if you mention anything too specific. I'll, I'll take that out. You'll understand as we go through this. But uh, yeah, I'd love to get more questions in here. If you are brand new to the show, this is an interesting episode to come into, but uh, welcome. Uh, I hope you subscribe. I hope you dig the show. We're just going to jump right into the questions. So we have... Derek, who is asking about how long to get traffic, and he has a site that's a couple months old and has a specific little quirk with uh, the indexability of his site, so we're going to talk about that. Jason asks about expired and or age domains and how that might impact the sandbox, and then Jen is asking about keyword clusters and a couple related ideas. Uh, Maybe it's just the one idea. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Indexability, how long to get traffic, expired domains, and how long to get traffic, and then some keyword cluster things. If you haven't signed up for the email list, you can go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email, and then I'll send you all my templates and systems, and I'll send you an email like two to three times a week, something like that somewhere around there. And we're just coming off the Black Friday, Cyber Monday event, the annual event, which seems to be getting early and earlier and earlier each year. Like I think once the uh, Halloween candy was all gone, I started getting emails about Black Friday deals and people were like, hey, it's already on sale. Just buy it, please. Seems a little a little aggressive. It kind of takes away some of the the magic of the Black Friday Cyber Monday events. And this year I sort of opted out. I I didn't send any emails. I didn't promote anything. Unfortunately, probably some of my my friends out there are sad that I didn't promote their stuff, but I was um I just decided to take take it off this time. If people want to buy stuff, they can get the things they need. But I definitely have uh, fallen into the pressure occasionally where I'm like part of the hype machine, just trying to get people to buy things because the deal is going away. And I just, I decided I'd, I'd see how I would feel if I didn't do that. And it feels pretty good. <laughs> I hope you got the deal that you wanted and uh, you got products that you needed. You didn't buy anything that you didn't need. Okay, just rambling on. Let's get to these questions. Derek says, I'm working hard and publishing daily, following Kyle Roof's White Hat SEO course to the letter. It's not my first site or my third that I've built, but this is the first one that I paid attention on the Google Search Console. It's month two. Derek has published 55 articles. It's day 55, he says. (laughs) I've noticed 26 pages are, quote, discovered but not indexed. And he submits his post to Google for indexing when he publishes. He submits his sitemap two times per week. 
And he keeps seeing this discovered nut index growing by six every week. So it sounds like only one thing is being indexed per week. Derek says, should I continue as is or should I be concerned at all? And this was spawned from an email that I sent out about how long it might take to get traffic. And the spoiler alert is, uh, it depends. I think I put out a, a an email, I put out a video, and I also published a podcast in the last month or so. And basically... It depends. It's really hard to tell if your site's brand spanking new and the domain is brand new and fresh and it's never been used in the past. There's a solid chance it could take a few months to several months to maybe up to a year before you get a significant amount of traffic. It's likely that you'll get a little bit of traffic and you'll rank for a few long tail keywords, especially if you are specifically targeting long tail keywords, very low competition keywords, you're probably going to get a little bit of action. A few people will hit your site just because the queries are so specific and you're targeting things in a very intentional way. Derek is just saying, should I be concerned because I'm not seeing really anything and I've published 55 articles rolling into month two. And it can be very confusing because the, the problem is on YouTube or blog post or Twitter or wherever you're gathering information, Facebook groups perhaps, you will hear from people that are sort of the most successful. These are the exception cases. And I am extremely guilty of this. I play the game on on YouTube and I try to come up with the best headlines, which typically are X result in X amount of time without doing something undesirable or while doing something very desirable. So maybe it's how I built a site that's worth $50,000 by publishing a thousand posts without getting stressed out, something like that. Those do really well. So when you see headlines like that, it makes you question your whole methodology. Are you making a huge mistake? Have you have you gone down a route that's sort of unrecoverable? And well, it's impossible to know. You're probably okay. So here's the here's the punchline, Derek. You're probably okay. Keep progressing forward. Kyle is uh, very smart, and if you're following his white hat SEO plan, you're probably in good shape. So I would I would keep moving forward. I would reach out to Kyle and or his support team and just see what they might tell you. Right. So the I mean, you bought the course, you should use their support and figure out what they advise you. But my hunch is, if you keep moving forward, you're probably going to be in good shape. As far as the discovered and not indexed, that is something that typically I would just say, ah, you know what? I've seen this in the past. I've heard of this for several years, although I I don't think that the discovered not indexed was a thing until more recently. And in an uncharacteristic move, I did a little research before I started answering this question. So I have some quotes that actually back up 
what I just mentioned there, that uh, discovered and not indexed is a newer thing, but it generally has been around. I mean, that was sort of the behavior that we saw. So if you launched a new site, you published some content, it wasn't unusual for you to have content that was indexed for a little while. Maybe it showed up in search, you would get a little traffic, and then the thing would just fucking disappear. You wouldn't get any more traffic. You'd go check and it would not be indexed. You would search even for the specific URL in Google and it wouldn't even pop up. So this is something that has been around for a few years, but it's only you know more recently that we've been aware that Google knows it's there and now it's not indexed. So there's a link in the show notes here from the Search Engine Journal where... Well, I got to be honest, I hate all the ads that they have on there and they have all these pop-ups that that jump in your way. Most of the time, the posts that I find, they're like regurgitating tweets. They're putting some commentary around it, but this particular post, what I'm going to reference is generally the tweets by John, it's spelled Mueller, but I think uh, I've known some people, I've worked with people that pronounce that Miller. So it's M-U-E-L-L-E-R. So I'm going to say John Miller. I don't know how to say it. If someone knows, let me know. Okay. So this discovered and not indexed is kind of on the edge of indexing, right? So John, I'm not going to read everything, but John says, yes, that can happen. But it could also happen that happened that a URL drops out again a week later or a different URL drops out. So you're teetering on the edge of indexing. There's always fluctuation. It basically means you need to convince Google that it's worthwhile to index more. John goes further and says, since we don't have an understanding of the URL, i.e. it's not indexed, we have to pull in the rest of the site to better understand its potential context within the site. It and within the rest of the web. Is it something the web has been waiting for, or is it just another red widget? And then in a vague, vague response, um, he also says, awesomeness. If you want to convince Google to index something, awesomeness, lots of awesomeness, add more awesomeness. So a little nonspecific and vague, but generally... This kind of goes back to, luckily, the advice that I had given in the past without doing the research, which hopefully this doesn't give me the feedback that I don't need to do the research. But basically, when someone came to me and said, hey, things are not indexed or things are indexed, and then they drop out, they rank, they drop out, and there's some fluctuation, I would usually say, you know what, you probably... Just need to publish some more content. It's great if you get some more backlinks going to your site. Things seem to be indexed a little bit faster and rank a little bit faster if you have more backlinks going to your site and you have high quality content. The amount of content, I don't know if that actually matters so much just because I've seen sites do pretty well with search traffic even though they don't have hundreds or thousands of posts. They may maybe just have a few dozen really good posts on there. So I have a hunch that it's really more about the quality and what people are searching for and uh, 
maybe the authority of the site based on backlinks and the quality of those backlinks. So Derek, I would say keep pushing forward and I think you're probably going to be in good shape. I know these days uh, improving content on a regular basis and adding more content is pretty important, especially the improving part. So I suspect, I, I don't know, I haven't gone through Kyle's White Hat SEO course, but I suspect there's probably some piece of the puzzle where you iterate on the content that you've already published. If you have any follow-up questions out there, feedback at Doug.show. Now, on the same idea of getting traffic and how long it takes to get traffic. Jason says, I heard you talking about the sandbox on the latest podcast. So that was a few weeks ago at the time that Jason wrote this. I'm very interested to hear how this applies to expired slash age domains. Hopefully you'll get some responses because I did ask people to send in their experiences. And if you have built on an aged or expired domain, I would love to hear from you on the timeline on you know, when you when you got traffic, if it was shorter than uh, a brand new site, which I, I hope that is probably the case. Okay, Jason further says, I have an age domain that I put content on this past February, so roughly 11 months later, and it's sort of just sputtering along compared to what I expected. I, it had a domain authority and domain rating above 30, which is relatively high. Jason says, no KGR content as I used a specific vendor, which I won't mention here. I'm curious if I'm going to see a bump at the one-year mark for those articles. So, I have mentioned a couple times about the sandbox, and a lot of times people would reference six months as sort of the, the benchmark. So, once you hit six months, all of a sudden... You start ranking a little bit better, you get more traffic, and you know things just go better. Well, I've seen this for the one-year mark as well, and I've had several people email me around the one-year mark. Sometimes there's a six-month increase in traffic and rankings, and then there's an even bigger increase around one year. One of my recent sites, it took about a year um, before there was significant traffic and just growth that seemed more free and open. So there's a couple, unfortunately, I'll go ahead and tell you, I don't have a specific answer here, but I'll add my commentary because there's so much nuance with this. So number one, generally we do hear that aged and expired domains will often shorten the sandbox and sometimes you're able to see just exceptional growth in a short amount of time. Sometimes I've heard the sandbox is, you know, two to three months and all of a sudden sites are earning uh, quite a bit of money. Well, actually we'll just talk about the traffic portion. They're getting quite a bit of traffic and they're ranking well, much, much faster than the brand new domain that a person may have picked instead. I think one of the biggest things is the relevancy of the backlinks in the topic area of the site. So if you bought a a domain that used to be 
a restaurant and then you try to turn it into a like a, a digital camera review site, there's very little relevancy. The backlinks are not going to make sense and it's going to be a tough go of the whole thing. However, if you got this same restaurant site and then you put recipes on there, well, that that kind of fits. It's both food-related topics, so maybe that works a little bit better. Now, you may have some issues because a restaurant will probably have local kind of links versus uh, the more general links that you might see to a recipe site. But for this demonstration, we'll just we'll say, hey, it's, it's both food, so that's pretty close. So I, I think that's really important. The other part is just in general, the, uh, the, the keywords that you're going after. So Jason and I exchanged a couple other emails and basically, you know, he mentioned I didn't do any KGR content and I also let the, the vendor, the content vendor pick the keywords. So they maybe did a really good job on the keywords. Maybe they didn't do the same quality as what you would have done. And there are, you know, several methods out there for vendors to choose the keywords. Some are smarter than others. Some are going to be kind of lazy, right? They could potentially just go to some of your competitors and pick the same keywords regardless of the competition. Additionally, even if they do have a good method of choosing those keywords, KGR, um, some of the other, I I don't know the names of some of the other uh, methods out there. Very self-centered, of course. But the the idea is the person, right? The, The person, the hourly worker, the contractor that is working for the vendor, maybe they were having a, a slow day and they didn't get enough sleep the night before. And they were like, yeah, I'll just, I'll do, I'll do the minimum required, right? Maybe they don't really give a fuck. And they're, they're just finding some keywords, getting it over to the writers or however their team works and then moving forward. The, the point being, you could have gotten shitty keywords, even if it's a, a vendor that usually does a good job maybe the keywords are not the best, right? We, it's hard to say. There's so many variables that I, I'm not really sure. The big picture here is I would say, Jason, if you got a brand new domain, I would expect you know six months or a year for that sandbox period. You have a pretty good domain, a domain authority and domain rating over 30, you said it was relevant. I would expect that you should have been very clear of the sandbox and getting traffic and, and seeing the results that you hoped for within six months max. If you started with a brand new domain, I would say, sure, and maybe it'll take a year. So I'm a little stumped. I think the other part of this is sometimes you just end up with sort of, uh, it seems like Google's running experiments. You're doing things mostly right. I mean, you don't have to get everything right, but you're doing things mostly right and you're just not seeing the results that you expect. 
And sometimes you just have to push through a little bit. I would potentially go through Jason and uh, have a look at some of the content that is either doing the, the best and tweak the things that are going pretty well. I would chat with the vendor, shoot an email over to the vendor and say, hey, I'm, I am not seeing the results that I expect. Can you please have a look to let me know how it's going? Now, generally, I've mentioned this before in working with vendors, the vendors, especially content vendors, want to have you on a subscription plan. So unless you're a difficult client, which Jason, we've exchanged several emails. I don't think you're difficult. So unless you're a difficult client, the vendor wants to keep you on. So if you go back and say, hey, can you help me out? And they actually do help you out. They're like, hey, I would tweak these couple things. Not saying that they should do the work, but if they identify some areas like, oh, wow, the uh, maybe add some FAQs to these 10 articles and see how that goes, which is actually a good strategy. Maybe just try that. You would potentially go back to them, not only because they they helped you, but they were able to sort of tweak the content, not them doing the work specifically, but basically they're able to help you. So they're able to help you and I'll just leave it at that. And I do have a couple other thoughts about the aged and expired domain stuff. And actually this is a perfect time to mention the sponsor, Otis. That's O-D-Y-S. And Otis is the sponsor for aged domains with strong branding and powerful backlinks. Featured domain for this week is upliftprogram.com. And this is kind of an interesting, interesting site. So Dr. Bob Murray and Alicia Fortenberry founded the Uplift program as a practical initiative to help people build lasting, supportive relationships that ensure optimism, effectiveness, and lifelong well-being. Wow. Sounds like a like a mission statement for a company or something like that. And a lot of the material on the site was geared towards overcoming depression and anxiety. And through the site, they sold their own coaching services. This site was created in 2000. So it's 21 years old, domain rating of 25, authority, domain authority of 36. And there are 296 unique referring domains, 249 or do follow. And there are some pretty amazing backlinks, including bodybuilding.com, theguardian.com, digitaljournal.com, and 246 others as well. It's still indexed in Google. And I think, I mean, the fact that this domain was originally created by uh, at least one doctor, I'm not sure if the other person was a doctor, but there potentially could be some very strong EAT, that's the expertise, authority, and trust associated with this site. So if you are in that area, definitely worth taking a look at. And you can get $100 in your new Otis account if you sign up using my affiliate link, which I would greatly appreciate. So back to my couple other thoughts here about aged and expired domains, and also knowing that we actually have the show sponsored by one of the places that you can get aged domains. Okay, the the big thing is we hear a lot of these 
success stories about aged and expired domains and, and the fact that people use them in a sh- sort of shortcut the, the sandbox period. And this potentially could be a bit of survivorship bias where we only hear the stories of when this worked out because who cares if it doesn't work out? If I do this and it doesn't work, I'm probably not going to write a blog post about how it didn't work. So we may only hear the stories when it works out because no one is sharing stories about when it failed. In fact, if someone, right, if, if I was if I was doing a case study, and this is purely hypothetical, but if I was doing a case study on something and I ran 10 trials and eight of them didn't work at all, I probably wouldn't tell you about those. If I'm trying to sell something, I would just tell you about the ones that did work. So I would say, keep that in mind. It doesn't mean this works 100% of the time. One wrinkle to throw in there, and this is one of the great things when you buy an age domain from someone like Otis, those are usually vetted and, and checked very carefully so that it's not a dud. If you just get an expired domain, like when I first started doing affiliate marketing, I would hop over, I think it was expireddomains.net. It was this great filtering system so that you can see recently dropped expired domains. Sometimes you would check, I mean, honestly, most of those domains were spammed before. Someone picked up the site, they sort of uh, churned up some sort of uh, quick money-making scheme, spammed it, and then let it go because it stopped working. And then you potentially would think you were getting a great expired domain. However, it was penalized or blacklisted in some capacity. So if you got such a domain, maybe you set it up, you get it going on the Google Search Console, and then you would see that there was a manual penalty or a spam issue with it or something like that. Now, sometimes you could easily detect this because you can hop over to a tool like Hrefs and look at the backlink profile and see, oh, there were all these terrible backlinks pointing to the site or maybe it linked out with terrible backlinks or something like that. There's some footprints that you can detect, but sometimes... You, you can't find those for some reason or another. Maybe the way it was spammed was a little more stealthy, so you won't know until you get it loaded on the Google Search Console. And then you realize, hey, this domain is garbage. It was spammed, and it, it was not worth it. So, like I said, sometimes the the spamminess is under the surface, and it's a little harder to detect. One of the best ways to check is just to look at the anchor text pointing to the site in the anchor text uh, pointing out, which again, historically, you sometimes can go to hrefs and look at the historical backlink profile and stuff like that, and then be able to see what was going on. Not always, but, and there's probably a couple other factors in there too, Jason, but overall, I would say check with the vendor who did the content, have a look at the keywords, make sure you think they're good. Maybe you can tweak some of the keywords that are targeted for the post and you know make it more low competition or ho- however it needs to be tweaked. 
of course, look at the quality of the content. I don't know how much you published on the site, but you can always spot check to make sure you're not overwhelmed. Let's say you got 200 articles on there. It could be overwhelming to think, oh, I have to go through and check every single post. You can just spot check and go from there. Okay, moving on to the last question. This one's from Jen. She's asking about keyword clusters. She says, I'm loving all the keyword golden ratio info and I'm knee deep into it. Here's my question. What do you think of the keyword cluster grouping tools? She mentions one here, but I won't mention it because I haven't used it and I don't know anything about it. So she says, what do you think about the keyword clustering grouping tools and does it relate to the keyword golden ratio at all? These tools seems, I can't read. Let's try again. She wrote it perfectly. These keyword grouping tools seem to be the new thing for 2020 and beyond. And funny thing, she actually did write this in 2021. So hopefully she means 2021 and beyond, perhaps. So I haven't gotten into any of the specific tools for clustering. I do know that some of the general keyword tools will offer up some ideas on how to cluster content. There's different algorithms and ways to look at it in general. I didn't do extra research for this answer, but in general, I am for the the clustering and, and grouping idea here. I think some of the tools are probably doing a very good job at this point in time. The idea to cluster content either, you know, on a specific one single post where maybe you group up several questions that are related, or maybe it is a keyword cluster where you have a main topic on one URL, and then maybe you have five or 10 or 15 related long tail keyword phrases that are all sort of internally linked to each other and point back to the main topic of concern. And then it helps build relevancy. Essentially, it helps build relevancy. So I think most of the tools are probably doing a decent job or at least presenting some information which you may have to process. Now, I did write back to to Jen already and let her know that the tools are probably fine. And if you either disagree or you're not sure about the information that the tool is giving you, you've heard me say this a few times, but basically step away from all the SEO ideas and just think about the searcher intent Think about the end visitor on your site actually trying to get information, solving a problem of some kind. So if you step away for a second and think, how can this be the most useful piece of information? How can this be presented so it's easiest to consume, help the person solve the problem faster or easier or something like that or even cheaper? If you can do that, you're probably going to come out ahead and then you don't have to think about the SEO implications as much. At the very least, even if you don't get the SEO perfect, then you're helping the person on the other side of their phone or the keyboard or whatever. So 
when you remove when you remove all of the crazy ideas that we SEOs have sometimes and some of the odd approaches and decisions that we make, when you strip all that away, it's someone on the other side of the screen trying to get some kind of information. So check out the clustering. The other piece of advice I gave to Jen was just, you know, try, try it out. Try one of the tools, see how you like it, see if if it does you know, go through that filter of, hey, does this help the visitor on the site? Does this fit with the searcher intent? And if it does, you know, keep keep using it is probably a good way to organize the information on your site. And there are, you know, I'll caution you again with um, some of the case studies, right? So if you are using some of these tools where you expect, you know, everything to change, like all of a sudden you are getting more traffic, your rankings jump. I'm not sure you would necessarily see that unless you really screwed up what you were doing before. I was on a live stream recently. I was doing a live stream and uh, someone that I've interviewed before, Duke, was on the live stream and he popped in and mentioned that uh, some of the on-page SEO tools that he's used really didn't seem to be that helpful. Other people swear by him, but Duke said, I just follow the general basic SEO content ideas that I have been doing and using for years. So when I tried to optimize using one of the on-site tools, again, I won't mention them here, but I'm sure you know which ones they are it didn't help that much. There was no major jump or anything like that. And I haven't tested a lot of these tools extensively, but generally if you get most things mostly right most of the time, you're probably not going to see a huge jump by using one of the tools. So if you have any questions out there, feedback at Doug.show. Like I said, I'd love to do a few more of these mailbag episodes it helps me jump from like topic to topic. Sometimes I could tie a few of them together like I did today. And uh, of course, it's great to have some helpful information specifically to people who are you know trying to solve the problem. All right, I think that's it. Oh yeah, if you haven't subscribed to this pod, it'd be great if you did uh, wherever you subscribe. And I also have another podcast, Mile High Fi. It's related to related to personal finance and financial independence. I have a co-host, Carl Jensen, and he, uh, I guess he's been retired for like four plus years or so, four and a half years. At uh, He retired when he was 43 and it's great. Yeah, he actually doesn't work. I know some people out there are like, yeah, retired, but then they're like doing something else where they make more money. Carl doesn't work. He does have a blog, but he doesn't really earn that much from that. So he he literally, uh, he did retire. He stopped working. Anyway, Mile High Fi, you could find it on the other podcast or the podcast directories and YouTube and all that stuff. So have a great day out there. I'll catch you on the next episode.